You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. I just finished recently helping coach my son in coach's pitch baseball. I also had the opportunity of doing that for the last two, two and a half months to be the coach who pitched to our team. And if you don't know anything about coaches pitch, I didn't either for the most part through most of the season. We found out every game a new rule that the kids get a total of five pitches in coaches pitch or three strikes depending on what was thrown their way. Now, a majority of the balls that I threw were so perfect that they could, <laughs> couldn't even miss it. But I did. I heard that. <laughs> but when I would pitch, our head coach, who won't be named, who may or may not be in this building, was our third base coach. And every once in a while, he would yell to the kids. I would say every once in a while, almost every time. He would say, hit the good ones. Don't hit the bad ones. I didn't want him to know that that hurt my feelings. As I would look at him and be like, I'm standing right here. (laughs) I can hear what you're saying. But he would tell the kids, and we would all tell the kids, wait for your pitch. Wait for your pitch. Don't hit the ball that's uh, rolling in the dirt to the pitcher's mound. Don't swing at the ball that's about to hit you. In an actual game, I don't think I hit any kids. In practice, I hit a couple kids. So they were ours. It's okay. I hit the coach's son, and mine, so we're good. And we would yell at the kids, wait for your pitch. Wait for the one that's coming over the plate. And then whenever you get a hold of it, you hit it as hard as you can. And the title of my sermon is simply titled, Wait for Your Pitch. Wait for your pitch. Today I want to encourage you to wait for your pitch so that you can hit the home run In your life, each and every one of us in some area of our life, I believe, and I'm hoping you as well, is believing God for something. I hope you being in church means you have some type of relationship with God, which means you have some type of thing going on in your life that you're believing Him for, that you're needing Him for, and that we're all in different stages of waiting to see the fulfillment of God in our lives, that we are all trusting and believing God. You might have come in today, you might have got a phone call right before you came into church, and you thought, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this situation. I'm going to go into church, and I'm going to ask God to help me. You might be sitting there today, and you might have been talking and praying and believing God to do something in your life this whole week, this whole month, this whole year, or for many years, for many decades, that you've been standing and believing and praying that God is going to show up, He's going to answer this prayer, He's going to meet the need. And I want to remind you and encourage you to keep waiting so that you can obtain the promise that God has spoken and will be delivered to you. The scripture that we're going to focus on today is found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15. It's a very short scripture, and we'll jump above it, and we'll jump below it throughout the scriptures, and it says, and so after he, the he's not capitalized, so we're not talking about Jesus, who we're actually talking about is Abraham, and it says, and so after he had patiently endured, 
he obtained the promise. If I'm being honest, and hopefully I can be honest with you today, there are some scriptures that I read in the Bible that I don't really like, that I'm not a fan of. Like when Jesus says, forgive your enemies. When Jesus says, love your wife like I love the church and how I gave my life. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of pressure, Jesus. Appreciate that. That there are scriptures that I read, I'm like, you could have added on to that or you could have subtracted from that. And it says here that after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And the thing that annoys me about this scripture is that he doesn't give a timeline. After he patiently endured for a week, after he patiently endured for 30 seconds after he prayed, after he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And we're going to go back a couple of scriptures in Hebrews chapter 6. We'll start in verse 13. We'll read 13 and 14 to get a little context before we study more into 15. Verse 13 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because God could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. In verse 14, saying, here's what the promise that he made, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. It's a pretty good promise. Appreciate that. And then verse 15 says, And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That word, that phrase, patiently endured in the original text, means to be long-spirited. It means to not lose heart, to be long-suffering. And look, here's a definition. To persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles. I don't like that definition. Because we are now in a society where we do not like to wait. I do not like to be patient. I don't want to wait in line at a restaurant. I don't want to wait in line at the store. I don't want to call somebody on some helpline or help desk and then have the little song play and tell me that I'm the 15th person in line. Somebody will call you back in an hour to three. We are not a patient society. You even now might be thinking, when is this guy going to end? I've got things to do. I've got places to go. We are not a patient society. We don't even like commercials anymore. We want to fast forward through commercials. We want to buy different things that don't have commercials. But God is speaking as he's talking in Hebrews in reference to after he had patiently endured, that's when he obtained the promise. When he, had when he had persevered bravely through misfortunes and troubles, and he kept standing, and he kept standing, and he kept believing, and he kept believing, that's when he obtained the promise. I want to give you kind of a timeline, an interesting timeline of the story of Abraham. You see, these are the things that Abraham received from God before he actually received the promise or the fulfillment of the promise. We're not going to read through them all, but you can jot these down if you're taking notes. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is 75 years old, 
And it's the first time that he receives a promise from God. In Genesis 12, you can go and read it. God tells him, leave your country, leave your family, and wherever you go, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you, and I will be your God. 75 years old, he has an encounter with God, and the first encounter that he has with God is a promise, pretty good promise at that. In Genesis chapter 13, as he leaves his family's house, he ends up in a place called Canaan. It's a different name at that time. But he receives a piece of land from God where he's told that him and all of his descendants would stay on this land. In Genesis chapter 14, he receives a blessing from God. His family lot is captured by some kings. He goes and defeats these kings. And then he is, he is encountered by the high priest of God, Melchizedek. And Melchizedek blesses him, and we've talked about this before, and we'll read a scripture about it as well, where he calls Abraham a possessor of heaven and earth. He calls Abram of, uh, a son of the God Most High, and he blesses him. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham, or Abram at the time, receives a covenant from God. He receives a covenant where they make an agreement. What's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. We drop down to Genesis chapter 17. Abram receives a name change to Abraham. At this point, the scripture says that he's 99 years old. kind of old to be changing your name. But God decided to change his name from Abram, which means father, to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So then all of a sudden, Abram, who has been introducing himself as father to people, who has no children, who has no heir to his, the rest of his life, who has been promised that there are generations that are coming through him and his seed, he now gets to introduce himself as father of many nations. And he introduces himself as Abram his whole life from when he encounters God at 75 until he's 99. And then God tells him to start introducing himself and calling himself the father of many nations. And in one year, he has a son. And in Genesis chapter 21... A son, Abram receives a son from God. The fulfillment of the promise 25 years later in Genesis chapter 21. He, pers he patiently endured and then he obtained the promise. He got the promise from God at 75 years old and then saw the fulfillment of that promise because he patiently endured at 100 years old when he had that child. And through the seed of that child, there became many, many generations. You and me are a part of that. And the ultimate seed, which was Jesus, came through that, who came and saved the world. Abram received a promise, received some land, received a blessing, received a covenant, received a name change, before he ever received the fulfillment of the promise. But isn't it interesting in our own lives, 
that we're praying this prayer, we're believing that God's going to do this one thing, and we don't see God do it right away, and therefore we just say, well, God must not be real, God doesn't care, God doesn't love me, but we see the hand of God moving through Abraham's life all throughout that until the fulfillment of the promise happens. That God continually wants to bless you, He wants to help you, He wants to encourage you, He wants to speak to you, He wants to love you. You might not get the answer to the prayer, but He's still doing things and moving things and helping through the journey. We encourage you to wait for your pitch. Wait for it. Noah's last game was last Tuesday, and on Wednesday we went uh, we took Noah to a minor league baseball game. There's a minor league team in Augusta, the Augusta Green Jackets, and we've gone several times. But I said, hey, we want to celebrate Noah and, and him finishing out the season. So we took him to a, a baseball game. This is minor leagues. These are kids who had just gotten drafted. They're in their 20s. They're working their way up, and they're, they're waiting, and they're believing that their ultimate promise, their ultimate fulfillment is to make it to the majors, make it to the MLB, the best baseball league in the world. And so we sat there, and we watched this game, and at the end of the game, these professional baseball players, the ones who have been playing their whole lives, both teams, I think they were playing the Columbia team. At the end of it, Fireflies, yes. At the end of the game, I looked at the stat sheets, and between both teams, there were 30 strikeouts, and there were eight errors committed. And I told Noah, well, I mean, hey, our team wasn't that bad. We didn't get 30 strikeouts, I don't think, in a game. 30 strikeouts and eight errors. But the Green Jackets won in extra innings. They won nine to eight in the 10th inning. And in that, they also, between both teams, they had 12 walks and 17 hits. Now, these players, as they were going through the game, as they struck out a whole bunch of times, and how the infield seemingly couldn't catch the ball and or throw the ball, me and the head coach know that all too well over the last month. That they couldn't catch it, they couldn't throw it. They could have given up and said, you know what, I'm not called to play baseball. I, I, I want to make it to the majors, but this just isn't happening. I'm done. I'm walking away in the middle of this game. But none of them did that. These guys just kept going back up to bat and striking out. Going back up to bat. They kept throwing it to first. They kept trying to pop the catch the pot flies. They kept trying to do what they had been trained to do. And so I want to encourage you today and remind you today that the game is not over. Your game in life is not over. No matter how many strikeouts you've gone through, no matter how many errors have happened in your life, failing after failing after failing, I want to encourage you to wait for your pitch. Get back out there. Keep believing that God is on your side and wants to help you. You need to keep believing and keep standing on God's word. I want to encourage you to not lose heart just because you didn't get the answer immediately, but stand on God's word. And like the definition says, persevere patiently and bravely, even though you're enduring misfortunes and troubles. 
You will win and see the promise if you wait on the pitch. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. And why should you not cast away your confidence? Because it says that you have, which has great reward. In verse 36 says, For you have need of endurance. You have need of it. So that after you have done the will of God, look at this, you may receive the promise. What you've been standing on, what you've been believing for, salvation, healing, whatever it is that you need is considered the promise. Whatever you're believing for, it says that you don't need to lose your confidence and you need that endurance. Because if you have that endurance, it says that you will receive the promise. You'll receive it. So many of us have lost confidence, not just in ourselves, but we've lost confidence in our God. When situations have happened, when the storm rolls in, when the frustration happens, when the thing that we thought was going to work out didn't work out, all of a sudden we lose our confidence in God. Well, I thought you said this. I thought you were going to do this. You had said this before. You helped that person. Why didn't you help me? But it says don't cast away your confidence. Don't lose your confidence in God because you have need of that endurance. Patiently enduring. No matter what troubles I go through, no matter what's going on, I'm waiting on the Lord to show up. Because if you have need of endurance, that after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. And the second thing that we see in this passage of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15. And so after Abram had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Wait for your pitch. And the second truth we're going to talk about is hit your home run. Hit your home run. After you have patiently endured, after you have waited, after you haven't lost heart, after you keep believing and trusting and speaking that God is who he says he is, that God is going to show up, Now it's time to obtain the promise and see him move in our lives. That word promise in the original text means an announcement for information, assent, or pledge. Listen to this. Especially a divine assurance of good. It's a message or a promise. In the last definition, a promised good or blessing. He obtained the promise, and what that promise looks like is a divine assurance of good or a promised good or blessing. So many people are waiting and obtaining and expecting the worst to happen. Well, it happened to my parents and my grandparents, so it's probably going to happen to me, and it's probably going to happen to my kids. It happened at the last church I was at. It happened in the last relationship I was in, so I'm pretty sure it's going to happen again, that we are expecting and believing that the promise that's coming usually is never good. Even when we talk about the end times and we talk about revelation, everybody always preaches the fear of revelation. Like the Antichrist is something that's better and stronger and bigger than God. And like God's not like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this guy showed up. How are we going to beat him? No, no, no. The entire Bible is a redemptive story about God constantly trying to get to man and help man and help him overcome his sin, overcome his failure, and do the things that he couldn't do. 
it. That's the promise, that we have the promise at the end of our days that Jesus is returning, that we have the promise at the end of our lives that we have the opportunity to go to heaven and spend eternity with our Father and our Savior and the Holy Spirit. That there's a promise of good to come in every aspect of our lives. That God works all things to the good, to those who trust God and are called according to His purpose. That we have to understand that the promise that is coming, that I'm waiting for, is a good thing. A divine interaction of God's hand coming into my life where nobody else I've tried, my family has tried, the church has tried, all these things have tried, but God's hand has shown up and he's moved and done something and helped me when I couldn't obtain it. In Romans chapter 4, verses 20, Paul is writing to the church of Rome and he's talking about the story of Abraham. And in chapter 20, verses, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 20 through 22, talking about Abraham, it says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced what God had promised, God was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him, being Abraham, for righteousness. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But see, this is an interesting thing, because if you go back and you read the story of Abram or Abraham in Genesis, you will find out that he did a lot of things wrong. Did God forget what Abraham was trying to do to have a kid? God tells Abraham, you're going to have a son. Your son is going to come through your wife, Sarah, and that son is going to help father generations. Now, we believe that God is the ultimate author of the Bible, that God helped Moses write the Bible in the the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And we also believe that God inspired Paul to write what he wrote. And it seems like in this passage that there is a contradiction between what was talked about in Abraham in Romans and what actually happened in Genesis. Because if we read the story of Abram throughout Genesis, he, uh, he had some unbelief. He did. He wasn't really strengthened in his faith. Because if you read the story of Abraham, God told him, leave your family, but he brought Lot. There were two different instances where Abraham went to Egypt and he went somewhere else. And then he gave his wife away and said that his wife was his sister because he was scared that they were going to kill him. He then had a child with his wife's servant because he said, well, my wife, she can't have a baby. She's way too old. And he continued, it says in the scriptures, each one, Sarah and Abraham, says that they laughed in the face of God when God told them, that he was going to have a son. If you read the story of Genesis and you read the story of Abraham, it doesn't seem like he was believing that much. But something happened on the other side of the cross, and Paul talks about it all the time, how he received revelation and truth from Jesus, and then he wrote down what Jesus told him to write down. And what 
God remembered about Abraham was not his doubt, was not his unbelief, was not the things that he did, but the faith that he had. And what is recorded in the word of history on the other side of the cross of what God believed about Abraham is that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And Abraham was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Apparently, to God, on the other side of the cross, our faith is stronger than our unbelief. And that is what he remembers and what he records in the history of heaven. That God responds, remembers, and rewards our faith. That if we stay true to his promises, if we wait continually, no matter what situations come against us, what storms come against us. No, no, no. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. God has given me the victory. God is on my side. Greater is he that's in me. I know this is coming against me. I know this looks bad. I know everybody else is asking questions, but I'm going to patiently wait. I'm going to patiently endure because I'm going to see the promise of God. I'm going to see the fulfillment of what I've been standing on and believing. I'm going to hit This home run because I've been waiting on my pitch. I don't know if you know this, but in the majors, in the MLB, halfway through the season, they have an all-star break. And in the all-star break, they have something called the home run derby. And the whole purpose of the home run derby is for the players, the best home run hitters in the entire league, to hit as many home runs as they can. And I don't know if you know this, but they juice the balls. They change and they give different balls during the home run derby. They put specific balls in there. They don't use the normal balls. They use a different size ball. They use a different setup. So that way, when the players hit the ball, they go further, they go longer, they go higher. And also, in the home run derby, they allow the batter to pick the pitcher. Some of them pick their dads who have been throwing to them all their lives. Some of them pick their hitting coach. And the pitcher gets the opportunity to throw these juice balls to the batter however he wants to. This is not just a random batter who's trying to strike out the guy hitting the home runs. And then this is also not one of the batters that they, the pitchers that they've chosen who just throws the ball all over the place like I did for two months. These pitchers know exactly where those batters are going to hit that home run. And so they're either throwing it at the top of the zone or in the middle of the zone, or they're throwing it inside to them, and they're doing it every time. So they're throwing these specialty balls that are designed to go as far as they can, and they're throwing the same pitch, and they have the same desire for these guys to hit a home run. That they are continually, that they are continually trying to hit these home runs. They're trying to hit these juice balls. And it's the goal of the pitcher to throw that ball. And they're throwing that ball right down the middle for these guys to hit it. And they're hitting home run after home run after home run. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we've heard this scripture before and we've talked about it before. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 20, it says, for all, I want you to see that word again. If you've got your Bible out, if you've got a Bible app, you highlight that word, all the promises. Not some, 
not one or two, not eventually he'll run out, for all the promises of God in him, being Jesus, are what? Yes, 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 and in him, amen. That word amen means let it be, let it be. So the answer to can I receive the promise of healing? Can I receive the promise of salvation? Can I receive the promise of whatever I'm believing for? God's already said here in this scripture, in Jesus, the answer is yes. Well, I haven't seen the fulfillment of that. I haven't seen the answer. I I know it's yes, but I haven't seen it. Well, amen says let it be. So I'm going to patiently endure. I'm going to let it be. I'm going to believe that that promise is already ministering, already happening, already affecting, already changing and speaking into my life. You see, God has juiced the balls for those who believe in his son. God is constantly throwing promises. He's throwing blessings. He's throwing forgiveness. He's throwing salvation. He's throwing his Holy Spirit. He's throwing so many abundant things right at you so that you can receive them. It's his job. It's his goal. It's his heart that the promise that he has spoken be fulfilled in your life. It's his job and his heart. He didn't just make these promises so that we could hang them on our windows, so that we could sing songs about them. He made these promises in these Bibles so that we can see them happen in our lives. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I'm almost done. Peter writes that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Amen. Thank you, God. He's not slack. He's not holding them back. He's not just got a couple. He's not slack concerning his promises, but as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Aren't you happy for that? All the mistakes that you've made, all the dumb things that you've said, all the dumb things that you've done, that God is long-suffering. He says, look at, look at my son, look at my daughter. They messed up again, but my son's blood is sufficient. I love them. I care for them. He's not willing that any should perish. Thank you. He doesn't want to see you fall. He doesn't want to see you falter. He doesn't want to see you fail, but that all should come to repentance. That word repentance means changing your mind. I believed this one way, but repentance is changing and looking at it and thinking about it a different way. I believe that God didn't love me. I believe that God didn't care about me. I believe that God wasn't going to answer, God wasn't going to do, but I've repented of that because I've seen him be long-suffering to me, and now I've repented and believe something different. I believe that God loves me. I believe that God cares for me. I believe that God's showing up. I believe that God's going to handle my situation, and he's going to turn it to good because he's on my side. So as we finish, I want to encourage you and remind you to wait for your pitch and hit your home run. Find the promise of God that you need in your life and stand on that promise until you see the fulfillment in your life. The last scripture I have, we're going to jump down in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17, 18, and 19. And I'm finishing with this. Thus God, determining to show, look at this, more abundantly to the heirs of the promise. Do you know who the heirs of the promise are? It's me. It's you. So he wants to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability, I can't even say this word, immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Verse 18 says that by two immutable or not changing things in which it is impossible, look at this, it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation 
who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. I'm finishing with verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. This hope, what's the hope that we have? That God, it is impossible for God to lie. So therefore, if God said it, he means it. And if he means it, that means that he's willing to do it. And if he's willing to do it, that also means that he's able to do it. And that is the sure hope. That is the anchor of my hope. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what storm is happening, no matter what fault failure is happening, the sure hope that I have, the anchor, the steadfastness is that God is not a liar. And if he said it, the scripture says, then he's going to do it. And so if he made a promise to you, if he said it in this word and you're standing on it, then you need a Wait for that pitch to come into fulfillment. You need to wait and believe that no matter what's happening, I'm not going to lose heart. I'm going to stand and believe that God is a good God, that God loves me, and that God is going to show up in my situation. Wait on your pitch. And when that pitch comes, you hit that home run. And you see the fulfillment of God show up in your life. You see that promise. There's nothing more amazing than when you've been standing and believing and the miracle happens. The miracle shows up. The encounter happens. God speaks. God moves. And your life is forever changed. Wait for the pitch. Hebrews 6.15. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After you have patiently endured, you're going to obtain the promise in Jesus' name. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, help us to patiently endure. Help us to wait. Help us not to lose heart in this moment. I know it looks bad. I know it looks dark. I know it looks frustrating. I know it looks all the things that I don't want it to look like. But today I'm choosing not to look, lose heart because I'm going to stand and believe and wait on the promise of God. And I'm going to see that promise be fulfilled in my life. The prayers that I've been praying over my family, the prayers I've been praying over my finances, the prayers I've been praying over this church, the prayers I've been praying over the community, the prayers that I've been praying in my own life, I'm going to see the fulfillment of that, and I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to have the anchor of my soul that is sure and steadfast, knowing that God cannot lie. And if you said it in your word, then that means it's available for me. And I'm just dumb enough to believe it, God. And God, I'm going to believe it until I see it. And when I see it, I'm going to testify. And when I testify, other people are going to see you move in their lives as well. Father, I thank you for these people. I ask you to help them. Help them in their situations. Help them to hold on. Help them to believe one more time. Help them to call upon the name of the Lord one more time so that they can see the promise of God be fulfilled in their lives. God, you said it, therefore you're going to do it. And the seeds have been sown, so God, we want to see the harvest of those seeds in our lives. Father, I thank you for these people. I speak the word of God over them right now and let it wash the word over them that they are healed by the stripes of Jesus, that they have the mind of Christ, that they are the head and not the tail, that they are walking around releasing and diffusing the fragrance of knowledge everywhere that they go. Father, I thank you that they are the salt and light of the earth. Father, I ask you to protect them, help them, heal them, speak to them, and keep them safe until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next week. Take care, family. Thank you.
you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.